Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, the podcast where we learn from cybersecurity experts how to stay safe, private, and secure on the cloud and in code. CSCP is hosted by Francesco Cipollone, your cybersecurity friend with a passion for all things cyber and sharing stories of other professionals with you. This episode is sponsored by AppSec Phoenix, the next generation application security platform, enabling organizations to run application security programs in a smart way. Visit www.appsecphoenix.com to learn more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity Mentoring Podcast. We have Kevin Findler. On the call, finally, we have been planning this for quite a while. Kevin, do you want to give an introduction about yourself? How did you start and how did you come across us or actually how I came across you? <laughs> so I'm Kevin Fielder. I'm CISO for Just Eat. I'm on this because Francesco has hounded me for months to get me on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it seems like an interesting thing. He, he's had some, some good people on here previously, so I thought it'd be interesting to have a chat, talk about security and stuff. So yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for taking the time. I know I know how busy between conference, commuting, your CrossFit activities, your dieting activity you are. So I really appreciate the time. And I'm Francesco Cipollone, so I'm heading up the NSC42 and the Cloud Security Alliance for UK and Ireland, and also host of the Cyber uh, Mentoring Monday podcast. We have a mentoring community, so this is a little bit of a hybrid podcast where people ask questions during the call or after the call. So we tend to talk about topics and then crack on on giving people that airtime that they most require if they don't have a specific mentor. So it's a little bit of a hybrid podcast, and uh, I hope you enjoy, Kevin. So how did you start in cyber? So I've done kind of tech stuff and, and geeky things for a lot longer than I care to, care to admit to, and I guess always had a bit of an interest in security. So back in the day when I was kind of doing infrastructure work and other stuff, I always kind of gravitated towards security-ish things. So whether that was building firewalls or testing AV or whatever else, building kind of little Linux boxes to put IDS on and, and that kind of thing. Always did security-ish stuff, um, a bit more infrastructure because that was my, my original background. And then when I was working at GE Capital, we had a virus outbreak and with some monkey around with kind of registry changes and, and some other bits and bobs, I managed to fix it before the vendor at the time got a fix out. And That's that coincided with a security... Mo- yeah, it was, it was pretty good. And that coincided with a new security manager starting in, in, in our bit of the world uh, who was building, a, you know, obviously you needed to build a team. And he was just like, hey, do you want a job? I was like, yes. So that kind of got me my first security <laughs> role, um, bounced around a few different roles kind of. Yeah, it, it was funny. It's one of those ones where I got offered the job and then we had to do kind of an HR interview after I'd already had the job offer. So yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> FYI, I really got the job. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then so we went, so we did that. And then I did some security analyst roles, did a bit of light pen testing for in, within that role and some other bits and just general security stuff. Then from there, did some security architecture, did some actual normal architecture. So I had a little team of solution architects at one point on the basis that most of what happens or a lot of what goes wrong in security is because we don't design it in to start with. So I was like, hey, if I go and do some architecture, I can help design secure systems as part of that. So trying to fix it from that end. Um, and then back Absolutely into, agree. Yeah, and then did a few years at WorldPay doing a variety of roles, which kind of culminated in me, or accumulated in me, sorry, building what we called the secure, cybersecurity consulting team. So that was kind of internal consulting 
doing everything from kind of inception through to stuff going into production, AppSec, threat modeling, you know, infrastructure design, sort of basically everything across all, all work in prior to it going live and also kicked off a bit of work there around kind of security innovations and how we can, could make security kind of part of the business proposition. That got me to the lofty head of title that then enabled me to take a jump at the CISO role. So I'll always be grateful to Just Eat for giving me that chance because it's much harder to get get the title than to move around once you've got it. They took a chance on me, jumped in here, spent the last just over two and a half years here. It's been super exciting because we've got to build you know the whole team strategy and pretty much everything that, that we have now is stuff that, that the team's built with me. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fun, exciting place to be. And I've got to kind of do, I think, I think pretty kind of leading edge security in many ways, because we're, you know, we're DevOps, we're cloud native, we're all the kind of like fairly leading edge technology stuff. Yeah. Um, and there isn't a blueprint for what we do. So it's not like you can go and follow a standard that says do X, Y, Z, not traditional security. It's, we have to be much faster, much more enabling, much more kind of embedded with engineers and things than, than people have been in the past. So it's been a really great ride doing that continue to try and improve things things now so yeah that's a brief history of, of, of kev's career amazing history so you you more or less touch point on the various areas of cyber or the various areas of of uh, an enterprise if you want before landing to the, to the top of the uh, food chain for cyber if you can choose one of the role that you enjoy the most which one will it be or area that you you enjoy fiddling around or, or playing around which one will um, it be I genuinely think my current role. So kind of my first 10, 15 years of my career, I kind of drifted around doing stuff, um, you know, as I said, gravitated towards security things, but not kind of, I wasn't one of those people that was hugely driven with, here's my career goals. Um, just got by with being kind of inquisitive and reasonably intelligent, I guess. But then, yeah, the last sort of five, eight years or so, I've kind of got much more focused on my career and I've discovered I really love kind of helping people. So not just kind of obviously being the CISO means we, we get to build the team and kind of set that whole security strategy and the whole, the whole piece, which is really cool. But I also get to kind of have a help support a team of people and help them in their careers. So, so I think what I'm doing now is, is probably the thing I'm enjoying the most. It's a bit of an always on role. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, people talk about burnout and stuff, but I love it. And, and just, you know, I love doing what I do. I love being able to help secure an organization. I love the fact that we get to make security different kind of traditional security moving away from you know whether it's compliance or audit or whatever else to actually delivering really kind of business embedded sort of security at you know, at the speed of business want of a better better buzz term and like i say i've managed to employ some really cool people that are helping helping me do that and helping deliver a, a, an awesome program but also helping their careers so i've had some real successes with people's careers and getting them a lot further forward than they thought they'd be So yeah, so I think what I'm doing now is probably what I enjoy the most. And surprisingly, the people aspect of it is becoming more and more important to me as well as the kind of technical and, and you know, security stuff. Mm -hmm. No, and that's great. And thank you for, I know you and uh, Greg are taking an active role on, on pushing the boundaries on on hiring, on, on making people passionate, on supporting people. And I really appreciate that because that's one of my personal pet peeve and commitment to actually give us much back supporting people and, and, and trying to help them through a career path that is such challenging because I don't know if, if how do you recruit, for example, on, on cyber? What are the aspects that fundamentally you, I know that you're quite leading edge on that. Yeah. So for me, it's, you know, especially the kind of junior mid end of the spectrum, it's much more about fit, culture, keenness, excitement than it is about have you got bits of paper and things, you know, I'm, I'm, don't i don't think we do anymore i certainly wouldn't if i spot them i wouldn't let us have anything like you know we don't have must have certain certs or must have degrees or any of those things on there 
it's just about does someone want to come in and do some really awesome work for us you know we've had huge success i've got you know, an apprentice on the team who a few weeks before joining us was was stacking shelves in sainsbury's and within you know, i can't remember six months to a year but within six months to a year was was on call for my for the ops team doing actual you know real sec ops work and investigating things for us and everything else so you know it and and he's to this day a, a great member of the team so it's it's look for fit look for kind of people who are super keen and excited that are going to help your team and don't get too hung up on kind of huge list of skills and, and minimize that because in reality for most roles right what do you actually you know is it, do you need that huge list of things really do you want to put off huge swathes of the, of the population by going here's a massive job spec that's that's super dull and and, and people won't apply unless they've got you know some or all of that list obviously for some roles we we, we have to have have, a portion of senior people in the team as well and obviously they do have to have a set of skills and abilities because they'll be helping mentor and teach the the more junior members of the team so it's it's not like you can do that for everyone but i i I really get upset by people who hide behind oh i can't hire junior people or i can't do this it's your team you can the reality is what the board and what these echo whenever else are interested in from from any team not just security right you make some promises and you agree on, on budget and, and things like that to deliver those promises right so if i agree with them that i need x money and to do it and this is what the team should look like and this is what i will give you and they agree that's what they want they will let me deliver that and they'll let me do that if you're going oh no they won't let me do this they won't, that's, that's not true you can absolutely build the team you want and you explain to people this is why we're building this team and this is what we're going to deliver for you and then you go do it so it's just don't hide behind, I must have senior people or my board won't let me or my exec won't let me. That, that's not an excuse anymore. And it also helps you because if you have a team, you know, every team has a bit of a pyramid shape, right? No matter how big your team mm-hmm. is, there's going to be a limit to how many people you can have that are principals or heads of or, you know, lead engineers, whatever your titles are in your organization, right? And there's going to be, you know, you can't have every single person in your team as, as some kind of super uh, you know, principal engineer. Yeah, so, yeah you know, and it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't exist and your team teams just don't look like that, right? So if you want to build a team where you've got kind of a talent pipeline, where you've got people who are going to grow into roles, have some more junior people. They come in, they're super excited, they're keen. You can kind of help train them in, in how you, you think things should be done. But also they'll give you a fresh viewpoint because as, as you, know, you mentioned, Greg, he often mentions that they haven't been indoctrinated into security. So if you have someone who comes in with a fresh view or from a different bit of the organization or a different, you know, different career externally, they're going to have different ways of looking at things and different views to your, you know, this is how security is done in inverted commas. So, yeah, so I think that, you know, I can't sort of say how important, you know, I can't overstress how important it is to do that. Um, and like I say, if you have someone who comes in and you've helped build their career, they'll probably stay with you a bit longer. They may, you know, those, those the ones that you know, start with you as a junior and could become a senior or principal or whatever with you, they know your org inside out. So then you've got a senior person who actually has loads of organizational experience with you rather than bringing a senior who has no organizational experience. So for that's me, it's a really yeah. interesting topic. Yeah, no, that's, that's I think you, you hit the nail on a lot of enterprise or a lot of organization. Having that business culture helps a lot with uh, security. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, for me, it's building a talent pipeline. It's getting awesome people in. It's giving people a chance and you'll end up with a way better team. So yeah, I can't, I can't overstress the critical importance of that. This episode is brought to you by the generosity of AppSec Phoenix Limited. AppSec helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security problems by using smart data aggregation and complex machine learning software. Discover how AppSec Phoenix helps CISO and developers remove friction and maximize the use of DevSecOps professionals at www.appsecphoenix.com. AppSec Phoenix is the new and smart dev-first way to manage your software vulnerability. 
follow the tag, hashtag AppSexSmart. But how do you balance, for example, a junior and a senior? And how do you keep that balance? Where do you, where, where have you found that sweet spot that it, it helps you or enable you to deliver at the pace that business asks, but at the same time, it doesn't cost a tons of money or it create that nice imbalance that you just mentioned? It depends on the team and what they're trying to deliver, to be honest. I mean, take our SecOps team. We have nine people and a manager currently. No, 10 including now. We've got a grad in rotation as well. And we've got three seniors and the rest are kind of junior mids. I mean, it also varies, right? What's a senior? So, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in just the, we, we have a kind of a, a career ladder that goes from 50 to 60. No idea why it goes from 50 to 60, but hey. So like 50 would be an associate kind of straight out of university slash just finished an apprentice scheme kind of person up to 60 being top end of principal engineer head of type person right but senior is kind of i think 54 to 57 something so there's you know there's within senior there's quite a chunk so there's you know and across any organization there's a lot of breadth of or or depth of what what does a senior mean and is it someone who's super super skilled at one thing or someone who's quite skilled at a broad range but just brings good experience so it's yeah there's not kind of one definition of senior or one thing that is a senior or junior mid um, and you'll be a good junior mid person that's knocking on kind of being promoted to a senior in the near future etc so yeah i mean it's pretty broad but yeah so certainly in the ops world we go for yeah so we go for kind of it's roughly two or three junior mids to one senior approximately okay. um, but yeah that will vary depending on the size if you've got a bigger team it may be that that portion can be more junior mids to seniors it's just because we have a our team has three primary locations so we've as if <laughs> A bit, bit by luck, but kind of by planning. We have, <laughs> we have a senior in each location. So when people are on site or with the person they're local to, they have someone senior to look up to and mentor them locally as well as kind of doing it remotely. So we've kind of tried to have one senior in each location. So that's driven part of the, the three to, to the ratio of having three seniors in that world. That's nice. And it, you saw that it really helps or you saw, have you, have you tried like full junior team or see how, how they behave. I, I, I try to experiment of late with full graduate or full junior team and, and, and see if, if they manage to coordinate between themselves with like minor guidance and had like a mixed bag. But have you ever tried that kind of? No, never, never, never done, done that. Partly because obviously it's, it's as we've grown the team, we've kind of designed it how we want to. Um, oh, nice. and, and I think obviously because you've got, you know, and that comes back to my point that the team's grown because we've, we've explained what we're going to deliver and we've got approval for a certain size of organization and everything else. And this is the organization we've designed to a pretty strong extent. I think certainly within security, probably it depends on the team or what they're doing. But again, certainly, I guess maybe where where you have instance and those kind of things, you're not going to want purely junior people because you need people who've had some experience of instant management and instant response. And some of those things, it's not necessarily, Hey, I'm a super expert at this tech, but it's, hey, I'm going to keep a clear head and I know who to talk to and I know when to escalate. And some of those kind of things that you just get with a bit of experience. Professional experience, yeah. Yeah, so, so say, I think you wouldn't necessarily want, you know, again, it, like I said, it depends on the role. If you're, say, doing a, a bunch of things, you know, like a lot of teams start off in kind of the end user computing world, for example. So you may have a lot of junior people in that space because that's how they get their start into, into tech generally. But I'd want some level head, some level head might be the wrong word, but some experience and balance. So when there is an instant, you know, if I'm not on the call, they don't there's, panic. there's someone there just, just keeping things calm uh, and working through methodically. So you, cause I've been here before I've done this, I've dealt with this. It's, it's just that little slightly calm head, you know, an experienced head, I guess. The, uh, yeah. There you say it, it comes with experience. I think where, where I toyed around, it was like pure experimenting or pure engineering, where it's not mission critical, or as you said, it doesn't, it's not business impacting when you can have yeah. like more of a, of a hackathon kind of feeling. Yes, absolutely. Or something. 
And then moving on from a manager perspective and from keeping close to tech or from how, how do you balance your discussion with the business versus uh, being close to the technology? How do you find that sweet spot that enabled you to talk to technical team or to keep on communicating with your team and at the same time talk, talking to the board and not killing them with buzzwords or, <laughs> or or leave them completely confused? What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, I think I that's, that a couple of times. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that makes this role interesting, right? Which is the fact you have to have that balance. So it's it's you know it's not a purely technical role and it's not a purely business role. It's a role where you blend the two and. You know, I, I like that. You know, I come from a technical background. I enjoy playing with toys like the rest of us um, and learning new things and investigating stuff. You know, I was having a conversation about running TVs through Raspberry Pis and stuff yesterday. So, you know, I, st- I still like have a, a, a vague set of geek credentials. And I think you have to, you know, in, in the CISO role, it's good to have some of that because you will be talking to engineers and you have engineers working for you. So, you know, probably two thirds, three quarters of our team are engineers because we're a kind of a tech company. So obviously I need to have their respect and need to, you know, you need to know enough that you trust them. I kind of t- say to my team, probably anyone who's you know, now, especially now I'm, I'm more and more hands off, probably anyone in my team that's a mid engineer up is going to be better than me at their specialism. And they probably should be because that's their job, right? That's what they do every day. And I have a sort mm-hmm. of in veneer across all of that. But equally, I also have to be able to go and do the, you know, talking to exec, talking to board, talking to, you know, people who lead our marketing teams, whatever else about, why things are important and, and trying to try and do my best to translate it into kind of business language. Um, you know, what the business benefit is, what the business risk is. Yeah. So it's a lot of those kind of risk, risk language discussions that we have. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a balance of both. I don't know if I've got the sweet spot perfectly. I try my best and it, it's, I think yeah, nobody it's, has, I think nobody has, we're learning. It yeah. is constantly adjusting the dial. There isn't a blueprint for this, right? Different, different organizations require different types of CISOs, you know, and if you're in a, a bank where you've got, you know, CISOs reporting to CISOs reporting to you know and you've got a huge chain of command the kind of the CISO at the top probably doesn't have to have anywhere near the same technical chops today they might they're not saying they don't have it but they probably don't need it as much because they're going to be so much more kind of more kind of be so for want of a better word or is it much more businessy and business much more, yeah because they've got so many people working for them whereas in a smaller organization or a tech organization you're going to have to have more of a tech balance as well as the business stuff and closer to yeah. the ground yeah, and it, it is, and I think I think it's I think it's critical of both. I think if you have a CISO who cares more about the tech, or you're doing tech exams, or tech kind of, you know, can you go and harden a machine or whatever kind of tech stuff for hiring a CISO, you I wouldn't be interested because you're so far wrong in terms of what's important. The, 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 anyone heading up any team, what they have to have first is a care for their team and a care for building a team because you know my team isn't me. You know, fundamentally, most of the role of someone who leads a team is to get out, get stuff out of the way of their team so their, their excellent team can do great work, right? So me me being too tech-focused would do no one any favors because I'd be meddling too much rather than trusting my team. So it's, you know, you need you need, you need to also, one of the things I've, I guess I've learned over the last couple of years is is actually that stepping back slightly. So I, I love to meddle. And, you know, when I first joined Just Eat, there's probably a year or so where it was the Kev show because we we're a small team that was growing. And it's cool. Hey, you know, everything I said is a great idea and we should be doing it. And, <laughs> and you know, obviously everything I say is a great idea, but no, but, but seriously. That's the, why the, we invited you to the podcast. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, the, the reality is, right, you know, when, when you first start and you're building things from scratch, it's fairly obvious what you should be doing. But fundamentally, you know, that's the whole point of a team is you get better people than you at what they do, right? So, so there's no point in me 
sticking my oar into Stu's world about these are your priorities in, in cloud and infrastructure because he's better than me at that. That's his job. You know, he's a principal engineer in cloud and infrastructure. He's got a small team of people working for him whose sole focus is how do we manage our cloud environments? How do we get consistent security across our cloud environments? How do we monitor endpoints? That's their jobs, right? So, mm-hmm. so me telling them, you know, I'll, I'll discuss with them and agree with them, but they, they, I'm trying to promote a culture where they come to me and they're like, okay, these are our priorities. These are our biggest risks in these space. And this is what we're doing about them. And I champion that because they're better than I am at what they do. You know, and that, that's, that's what I think one of the things about, I guess, you know, managing or leading a team is being hum- a bit more humble about stuff in terms of you, you should be hiring people that are much better than you. You shouldn't be scared of that because you'll get a much better outcome because they're doing awesome work. So I think I think uh-huh. it's yeah I'm kind of rambling a bit, but I guess it's it's that balance of of, of tech and people and no, business. No, I, uh, I, I, I like that rambling. I, I think I think it goes and and hit the sweet spot of actually being humble enough to take yourself back and and coming from a tech background, I I find it myself that sometimes you want to jump the gun because you want to drive the direction, but nudging towards the direction when you want people to be and to go and to ultimately accomplish things is really really challenging so what is if i can ask what is a good story and a bad story when you for example jump on top of uh, a situation or you try to uh influence uh by acting directly or where you actually say well i'm gonna just nudge and you know i have people reach where i want them to be rather than you know telling them how so i guess it's a really simple really really simple example one i think what brought it home to me a year or so ago was obviously when we team was small when I joined there was about five or six people and kind of no real direction and so as we grew I kind of knew what everyone was doing all of the time because for probably the first year or so pretty much everyone reported to me because we didn't you know we didn't have enough people to build out the structure and have my ops team and my cloud team and my appsec team and, and you know the the kind of different functions and the cult the culture and compliance area so I didn't have that you know I had that in mind and we were growing towards that um, so I kind of knew where everyone was and what they're doing kind of all of the time and then now I've built out a kind of little leadership team. Um, we try to kind of keep a team calendar so you know when someone's working from home or if they're off at the doctors or whatever else. We try and kind of keep a, a, a awareness of where people are, especially if they're not going to be available. But it's not kind of, hey, you have to be in the office. It's just let us know what's going on. So we, you know, if someone says, where's Jim? I can go, oh, you know, he's at the doctors or yeah, whatever. So we can easily do, we just know where people are, when to expect comms from them, that kind of thing. And one of the team, a guy called Manos, who's he's, he's sadly moved on now, but to another company not to dead or anything um, um he, <laughs> he 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 was he wasn't in and he was usually really good at keeping his calendar up to date and i was like oh yeah where, where's manos i was like and he worked for Stu, so i was like hey Stu, you know where's manos um and pretty much before he replied i, I pulled myself back and says actually ignore me if you know where he is and you're happy he's doing the right stuff I don't need to be meddling in where your team is right so it's a really simple example but that for me was a real kind of moment of clarity of step back kev if if your teams are all delivering really well and Stu's team is delivering everything you need it to be and his his they're all doing great work and they're all engaged and working with the other bits of my team and everything else, whether someone's it's the, working, it's his yeah, realm. Yeah, it's his realm, right? Uh, and you know, if 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 it was constantly an issue and I never knew where anyone was, I might I might say, hey, can you guys get better a bit better at this? But I was like, I don't need to know. Stu's like, hey, I'm good with this. It's all it's all going well. He's doing what I need to be doing. So why am I meddling in what what is Stu's team? So it's, it's a super small example, but for some reason. That was no, that, that, mo- that moment of clarity that kind of gave me a, actually, yeah, you've got really good people working for you. Why am I meddling? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great example. I think it's, it, 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 it hit the this, this sweet spot of uh, stepping back. I, I just realized because I think we all we all jump in front of the gun and, and being humble enough to say, okay, 
your 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 thing you deal with it and stepping back i think is really important and we're all gonna learn by mistakes or hopefully not big mistakes <laughs> yeah and it's yeah i think it's really good that you know a lot of times you can if you if you're a little bit cognizant of your environment and and kind of what you should be doing, you can learn from small things without having to have a big thing. So I don't, you know, you, you, little things like that where I can realize, hey, I don't need to meddle in this or I don't need to meddle in that. Help me pull back and let my teams do awesome work um, without me getting to the point where, you know, I've had someone complain to me that they're not getting, not allowed enough space to do their job or, you know, even worse, have one of my kind of leaders leave because they're not allowed enough autonomy or whatever so yeah so it's i think i think you know listen to your listen to yourself and be kind of cognizant of what's going around around on around you so you can learn from from small mistakes or small things rather than have, have to have an issue yeah tackle the, the small fire without without them to burn you completely yeah. and talking about small changes so going a little bit back on on the techie side so how how important is for just eat and for yourself uh the DevSecOps or devops stuff how, how was your journey in in application security versus traditional infrastructure traditional security um, so we're we're cloud native devops 50 to 100 releases a day or so um so we're all wow. in with, with that way we're, we're all in with that way of working um you know i know some people do it faster but yeah we're, we're pretty good um we have a very empowered organization our engineers you know they they get you know if you own a product um you'll get called to fix it if it goes wrong whatever else so you know we, we have that whole kind of devops agile culture pretty embedded into what we do and my whole team runs as an agile team so we deliver all of our security work in sprints and we work to make sure everything we do that engages with with engineering and wherever else kind of works at the speed it needs to Mm. So, you know, so, so it's, you know, a, a kind of, it's no use using, you know, these code scanning example, right? You do a bunch of checks in on code and we tell you tomorrow there's a problem. It's been in production for a day. You know, you, you, we, we have to be in, you have to be in the pipeline and you have to be making those checks at check-in or even further, you know, shift left for one a better term. But you, know, you have to be kind of making those, you have to be kind of doing those checks as quickly as possible and at the speed of, of where everyone else's work work. So you're checking code, you're checking third party libraries. Every time stuff gets checked in, you're looking at um, test environments and doing, you know, building security tests into your QA testing as part of the testing process, not as something gets added on or afterwards. But I think that what's for me, the, the little secret of all of this in terms of what this, you know, you mentioned this versus waterfall or other ways of working, right? Yeah this way of doing security is the way everyone should be doing it because the quicker you it's find fast. problems and the more you engage and yeah, we do threat modeling and we, we do secure, but you know, we work on secure by design. We, we, we work, you know, we go and sit in engineering guilds and architecture guilds and everything else to get stuck in, you know, as, as early on as possible in any discussion about new things, new tech, whether that's how we're going to do what we can do with our WAN or whether we move our office firewalls to the cloud or what we're doing with products and what we're rolling out to our customers or our restaurant partners. So kind of the whole piece we, we get involved in mm-hmm. um, and we try and get involved as early as possible. But imagine you know, you're working in a, a traditional, what is traditional, but you're working in a waterfall environment, right? If you tell someone there's a potential security issue with their code 10 minutes after they check it in, that's awesome. If you're involved in design meetings and threat modeling and whatever else, that's awesome. So I think being a fast, agile security team is, for me, the best way to do security regardless of what the rest of your organization is doing if i'm working at, fast yeah if i'm working at a faster cadence than everyone else in the organization all i do is look great and i deliver more 
And you can be, you know, it's probably an overused phrase, but you can be, you know, an agent of change effectively. If you're an organization that's a bit slow and a bit process heavy and whatever else, you can engage with those things and you can give the right information to toll gates, but you can also do much more and you can do it much faster. And then you can demonstrate that and try and push out that that more engaged, more collaborative, faster way of working to the rest of your org. You may or may not win, but you, you can you can help make things better, I think. I, I agree. And, and speed and, and fast feedback is is the key for DevOps. So or, or any security any security team that works in engineering or close to the engineering. But if you're looking at, for example, more traditional environment, they need to start that journey. What will be, the, if anything, the one advice to look out for or one thing to do and one thing to look out for if you start a journey towards DevSecOps, um, for example? So it depends. If you're leading it from a security perspective rather than the rest of the organization, engage more so stop being a security team that, that isn't as engaged and just go and turn up to things be helpful we most people in security especially you know have done other stuff right we've all got good experience with you know like i've come from a pretty strong infrastructure background my appsec engineers were all ex-developers so get stuck in with things if you're if you can help help with more than just security so stop being just a security team if you can see something that could be done better that will make it more reliable or faster or easier to deploy whatever else go and be a helpful team that engages with with your business and engages with being helpful across a range of things so that when people have interactions with you like hey it was great doing that work with that team you know jane from security really helped us with this problem or whatever it is you can do Mm -hmm. really good work to get that that kind of cultural thing that security is a helpful team and get embedded and get embedded as early as you can so if you are in a traditional org try and get involved in you know the project kickoff meetings and the project planning meetings and sit down with the pms and the pmo on how you can be more engaged in that process but do it as a how can we be more engaged not as a security says no or there must be a toll gate forget all of that just work on that engagement because you get so much more as soon as you make something mandatory or a toll gate you become a pain if you do it right and get design in early and get all your checks in early and everything else, you'll probably fix a lot of the problems without being that toll gate pain person. Um, in terms of what to watch out for, as you get better at stuff, again, if we're talking about AppSec or design, you know, scanning, whether it's you know scanning builds or scanning code or whatever else, be realistic about what you can achieve on day one. So anyone can like mm-hmm. point you. Know, it's, it's not difficult to point a tool at your code repository and go, blam there's every single finding from a you know cvs5 upwards have ten thousand results and engineers go oh, can't do it fix and, everything and <laughs> so so they'll push back so i mean as, as an example we when we first started looking at third-party libraries we jesus we, we looked at this was a while ago when we first started doing that we we only did you know and obviously with a bit of business context 9.8s and above just as a thing to start with, I think we found like 40 things, which was actually related to about four or five libraries that were just in use in a few places. So rather, so just be realistic about your expectations. Don't go, we'll smash everything at once. Go, okay, we might want to fix everything down to a CVVS or whatever score you want to use or, you know, of six or whatever arbitrary number you come up with, but that's not going to happen on day one. So let's work on how we do an engagement that actually gets us traction that says, hey, look, we want to manage the risk of the organization. We want to get better at securing things. But also we understand we have to deliver products and capabilities. So on this first tranche across our entire you know, 80 sprint teams or whatever you've got and hundreds of engineers, we're rolling out 40 things we'd like to get fixed, not 4,000, you know, that kind of stuff. And also be helpful and realistic with what you do. So again, using the third-party library thing, it's great. The, the, the default answer might be upgrade to latest version. 
which might be hugely challenging. If you're on a version that's supported but is two or three behind current, you might find they've... It's breaking the dependency yeah, you, you, and breaks all the dependency. deprecated half the stuff you rely on, right? But if you go actually, <laughs> if you go from version 2.3 to version 2.6, you're still within main version and you're secure. So be sensible about your guidance and, and kind of minimize the impact you have on Velocity and dev teams so that they like working with you, but they also recognize your managing risk. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and post it on social media tagging Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Discover other episodes at www.cybersecuritypodcast.com.